Welcome to the Excel Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. Thanks for tuning in to our very first episode. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer. To kick off the podcast, I'm just thrilled to have Anne Gomez with us to talk about maximizing efficiency and productivity. Anne's a productivity and leadership consultant who's worked with many law firms and lawyers. She's also the founding president of Clear Concept, Inc., the best-selling author of the popular book, The Email Warrior, How to Clear Your Inbox and Keep It That Way, and an active blogger. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Anne. Thank you, Shelley. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, I know that you have so many tips to offer everybody, but particularly lawyers, and that's my unique focus is on lawyers and what we can do to help them as productivity-obsessed professionals. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I have the same goal. (laughs) Excellent. So first off, what exactly is a productivity consultant? Oh, that is a good question. So I kind of feel like I made up the uh, title uh, going back almost 20 years ago. Uh, Now I see it out there a lot more commonly, but in my opinion, a productivity consultant is really about helping people maximize their days. They're getting the most out of their days. I think it's really frustrating for a lawyer, especially to be in the office for 12 or 14 hours and then to look at their dockets and they're six hours logged. And to really be struggling and thinking, where did all that time go? And still not feel like they're any further ahead at crossing off the major things from their list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that would cause an incredible amount of stress in an already high stress profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I come from a background of, of management consulting. And what I and that is a similar industry to law where the standards are very high. The pace is, is fast. Uh, clients uh, have high expectations. It's intricate, detailed, strategic work. So but what I found back in management consulting is there was a wide range of how people managed under the pressure, the demands of the job. And there were some people who really struggled and then others on the other end of the spectrum who thrived. And they, st- they, had the, they all had, kind of, let's call it the same um, skill set, the same work ethic, the same volume of work. And so what fascinated me was how some people were able to manage that heavy volume so well. And that's what I am obsessed with studying and teaching others. Wow. And have you come up with any sort of explanation (laughs) or, you know, what accounts for such a, you know, such a discrepancy? I, I, well, I think it's a few things. I think it's work habits that uh, we'll, we'll focus on today. I also think it's how well we collaborate and team with others, right? So there's some practice groups or firms or um, in-house counsel groups that I see teaming really well and others that seem to practice almost as silos. And, and that absolutely makes a difference with your results. And then the, the third level is a mindset. So people with a thrive mindset have better results than those who see challenges as problems, who take on a victim mentality, who kind of can't get past their current limiting beliefs, et cetera. So the idea of a thrive mindset, can you explore that a little bit? I can hear the sort of the, the opposite, what it isn't, but what is a thrive mindset? Okay, it's a great question. A thrive mindset is really about how you, how you think about challenges. And so we focus on resiliency, which is a lot about how we bounce back. You know, we're, we're, lawyers are really in demanding careers. 
they're they're called on to address really challenging situations and it can be very stressful and so their your ability to be resilient and bounce back from challenges and thrive under pressure is a crucial skill set so that's one so we talk about stress management and how to thrive under stress and how some aspects of stress are really beneficial and so that shift in mindset is so crucial uh, we also talk about how we can have a growth mindset so you may be familiar with uh, Carol Dweck's body of work uh, that she made famous in her TED talk called Mindset. She has a book called Mindset where people can, you know, the recommendation is to shift from a fixed mindset over to a growth mindset and embrace the fact that it's a learning process. It's iterative. We will stumble. We will have setbacks. We will make mistakes. I know that's hard for lawyers to hear, but that's going to happen. And, uh, and if we are constantly striving for perfection, we get in our own way. And then the final piece that we like to cover in our Thrive Mindset uh, kind of overall body of teaching is about having purpose. And being very purpose-driven is so essential. I think back to my days as a management consultant when I was really on the hamster wheel and I was working for one client after another on what was purposeful to them, but it wasn't necessarily purposeful to me. And I found the work very... Um, routine, very rote, uh, very um, draining, because I wasn't working from a place of purpose. And so that is the ultimate goal is for everyone to attack their day, attack their career, attack their life with a sense of purpose, a driving sense of purpose. And is this something that comes up in the work that you do with lawyers as a productivity consultant? Like, why would a lawyer reach out to you as a productivity consultant? Yeah, so when we, so, so that more is, so we, we really teach on three different levels. So productivity management slash leadership skills and then mindset skills. So from a productivity perspective, those are, those habits, work habits make a huge difference. And when we are working with lawyers on productivity skills, we're more focused on helping them get the most out of every day. And so we, we deal with some of the most common challenges like priority overload, um, you know, like that, those compete pulled in many different directions, the overall volume of work, uh, the interruptions that people face on a regular basis. And, and then email overload is another one that's common. Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote that book, The Email Warrior is my first book, because it's such a common problem. So we, we help with those work challenges in our productivity course. Some people also struggle with organization and procrastination. No, but that I would say the core challenges tend to be priority overload, volume, interruptions, and then I, I do tend to carve out email as it's as a distinct problem or challenge, I should say, because I think email is a great tool. So I don't want to say it's a problem. It's it's how to handle it effectively is something that very few people are taught. So that then becomes a challenge. There is a very simple framework that can help people handle their email with ease and be an email warrior and so they can overcome that challenge all of these challenges can be overcome and they are overcome we see examples in among lawyers of people who really manage their work well and it's because they employ a few key productivity skills a few key work habits the very <laughs> first thing i say and this does invoke a debate <laughs> with pretty much every audience i've ever out to especially lawyers is to turn 
off your email alerts and minimize email. I won't go so far as to close your email because I know that's pretty radical, but minimize your email. Stop looking at email on that second monitor you've got set up and give yourself a chance to focus on your other work because that's where we get our rich work done. And I will debate this until the cows come home with, with anybody, with any lawyer. You do not need to respond to email within nanoseconds. You don't need to. Your, your clients will not leave you to go across the street. Your team members have lots of other work that they can deal with. The partners are not going to think you're not working. Like you can close email for short bursts of time. So you can focus on other work. And focus is crucial. Focus is where we get more work, like more work done in less time. It's way more efficient. We make less mistakes, fewer mistakes, and we have less stress. And those are all in the best interest of the professional. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, how, but how do you find that focused time? When You're going to make got, it. You, the and, only way, I mean, that's, this is the secret. Like time management is, it comes down to this. The only way to find the time is to make the time. Like people look at me and say, Anne, how do you as a mother of four and a business owner find time to work out? And the answer is I make time. Mm-hmm. So I prioritize exercise and I prioritize sleep. I sleep about eight hours every night. Wow. Good for you. Give or take. It's not good for me. It's not, I didn't, I didn't stumble into that. It's not happenstance. I make that a priority. Okay. So what does that mean for you making it a priority? How do you ensure that it happens? So it's all about a routine and this is another key productivity skill. So the first one is focus, protect focus time and manage those interruptions like email is a huge interruption. So focus for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, you decide how long you want to focus 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If you're too concerned about letting email sit, which I think, you know, once you play with this, you'll get over that concern, but you know, focus for a chunk of time. And then it's almost like, okay, we get up, we stretch our legs, we, we check email, we do miscellaneous little things. And then we go back down for a heads down focus burst of time. That right there, power bursts of work is the most effective way to run your day. So in terms of how do you find time for the most important things, to going back to your question, it, it, that's all about a routine. Create a routine where you pay yourself first so you structure your day around, so let's say as a lawyer you're trying to capture eight billable hours, you structure your day around those eight billable hours. What else are you trying to do? Business development activities. You carve out time in your week for business development activities. Uh, team, you know, mentoring other lawyers, you know, working with your team, you carve out time for that. A daily okay, planning so- meeting with your assistant, carve out time for that. Okay, so when you say carve out time, what does that, what does that look like physically? Like how, where do we put that somewhere in an agenda well, or how do we get, so what you could do is you could reinvent every week, every day and spend time figuring this out on a daily basis, which is redundant and tiring and pretty much. Uh, yeah. As soon as we get busy, we throw that out the window or you could do it one time and create a routine for, and I like to call it a proactive routine. So this is a plan for what your week or your day looks like. And I do find most professionals find looking at it from a weekly basis is easier. So on a weekly basis, you could say, well, I'm going to try and cluster my meetings on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. And I know that morning is a really rich time to focus. So I'm going to try and push my meetings into the afternoon. So my plan is the majority of my meetings are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays between one and 5 p.m. or whatever that may be. 
Uh, we also want to have a, a plan for what our workday looks like. So I start work at eight, I end work at six or whatever that is for you as an individual. Plan that out. I, I go for lunch at this time. I take a break at this time because I know that productivity goes up significantly right after a break. We're, we're human. We need breaks. Um, you know, when do I do my focus work? So maybe, yeah, I personally try and do no meetings before 10 a.m. Because I really try and use the time 8 to 10 for focus work. So that's not email time. It's, you know, writing my book time. It's preparing for workshops. It's reviewing research. So it's the heads down focus work. Uh, you know, for, you know, why did I only say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe Monday is like your, your planning day where you're trying to, and maybe you have one or two meetings, but you really try and minimize the meetings because you really try and protect Monday as your day to prepare for all the meetings coming up. And then Friday is, I don't think it's a great day for meetings. People are, are worn out. So your ability to have an impact in those meetings is lower. Your ability to, you know, the, the, the chance of whatever you agree on, whatever they agree to do during that meeting will fall short coming next week when they get a whole new slew of requests. So Friday's a great day to wrap up your week. So okay. these are just some examples of things that people can do to structure yeah. their day. And listen, that's fantastic. And it gives us a real sense of control. I'm thinking about the junior lawyers who are answering to so many different competing yeah, of course. Um, voices you know, the senior partner, yeah. maybe, you know, the clients and how might how do they, they do it? Yeah. Okay. So a routine is never, it's not going to be perfect. We're not going to like, I strive not to have meetings before 10 a.m. But so when, when you and I were first meeting and you asked me what my availability was, I didn't offer up times before 10 a.m. Did I have open windows before 10 a.m.? Yes. But I was protecting those for myself. I was paying myself first. If you had come back and said, and none of the times you've given me work, how about 8.30 a.m. on Thursday? I'd say sure. So I'm not trying to make this perfect. So flexibility. I'm, flexibility is key, right? So if I can make it my routine work 80% of the time, then I'm, I'm golden. And now the junior associates, they are actually often the ones booking the meeting. So they do often have a lot of influence. And what we often, what a lot of people do is they say, sure, just, you know, book whenever in my calendar, what works for you? Well, maybe we say, hey, let's book a meeting. You know, I'm wide open Thursday and Friday between two and six. Do those work for you? If not, suggest some other time. So we can be flexible, but it's it really I, interesting. I find it fascinating that when we put it out there, what works for us, the rest of the world is like, okay, sure, that's perfect. And they fall in line with our routine. So going back to that poor associate who's sitting at their desk with files piled high and a long list of things they need to tend to that day. And then a senior partner walks into their office and asks them to drop everything and work on an urgent matter. What do you suggest then? There's a lot going on there. People plan their day to within an inch of their lives. And we know that that's not how our days work. So we only have so much discretionary time when we can drive what we'll work on. We also, we probably as professionals spend about two hours a day dealing with incoming requests from emails and phone calls. So when we're planning our day, like let's say as a lawyer, you're planning to spend 10 hours working on a day, two hours automatically is going to be gobbled up with uh, those miscellaneous communications, phone calls, emails, and you know that's going to happen. You just don't know who those are coming from. So that's two hours a day. 
then let's when it's going to happen. It, yeah, exactly. Although you can dictate that you can dictate that when you're going to be looking at email, right? So if you do get the urgent phone call, Hey, can you drop everything and deal with this right now? You can't predict when that will come in. Those are very rare, by the way, a lot of people build their life around these rare, you know, it has to be done right now. Think about the last time that that happened to you. Like the, that is very rare. I hear that all the time from lawyers, but when I press them on it, it's very rare that that happens. Um, you know, even if a, even if a partner, you know, calls you and says, Hey, can you get this done right away? It, you know, the answer to that is yes. Um, yeah, obviously you, you have to gauge that as an associate, but you know, generally the right answer to that is yes. When do you want to see a draft? And they might say, um, how about Friday morning, right? So if that's two days from now, you've got some wiggle room. So as soon as they, you hang up the phone with them, you could go immediately back and finish the current task you were working on, get that done, and then move on to the new urgent task. Mm -hmm. If they say it needs to be done in half an hour, then absolutely you jump on it right away. Right, right. Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm, again, I'm thinking about that poor, you know, overworked, um, overstressed associate um, who has got great intentions, has got maybe a to-do list, um, you know, they've yeah. kind of employed some of these strategies and then everything just gets completely sidetracked. Uh, so that's lovely to hear that in building in some flexibility um, is important. And actually it got me, got me thinking about to-do lists. That's something you haven't mentioned yet, which is sort of interesting because my sense is time management, productivity is all about the to-do list. Oh yeah, um, for but, sure. It's the most essential tool. It is the foundation. You need a master to-do list. I call it a master action plan, actually. It's not, you know, I see these crappy to-do lists that just don't cut it at this level. Like, you want to go play in the Little Leagues, you can deal with a crappy handwritten list that looks like your dog ate it for breakfast. That's fine. But it doesn't cut it when you're a lawyer dealing in the big leagues. So you need to have a superstar to-do list. I don't even like to call it a to-do list because um, once again, I see really crappy to-do lists. I see people flagging emails, marking emails as unread. They have a folder in email called to-do, which, which they never look in that folder. They have a pile on their desk. They have a handwritten list. They're using their, their memory, which is um, not a reliable tool for a to-do list. It's, you know, our memory, our minds are great for solving problems, but not for holding on to ideas. Our, our, uh, as Albert Einstein said, never memorize anything you can look up. So mm -hmm. we, need, we need to take these to-do lists up a notch. It's the first thing that we do when we coach lawyers. And we help them create this one centralized system that prioritizes everything on their list. So when a, a partner calls and says, hey, can you do this for me? And can you have it to me by the, the 21st? I absolutely, you know, so the answer is yes, usually, right? You know, you got to gauge whether there's wiggle room there or not. But so let's say that you determine the answer is yes. So you then slot that into your to-do list relative to your other deadlines. And so if I have five other things due before the 21st, then it goes fifth on my list. So I prioritize by deadline. And that's actually uh, something I see busy professionals um, kind of, you know, not setting themselves up for success with is using deadlines. So as lawyers, you're often, uh, working with uh, flexible deadlines, which is not to, is not in our best interest. So people will say, well, hey, I know you're busy, so just get this to me when you can. Or 
they, they don't set a deadline and we don't commit to a deadline because we don't want to box ourselves into a deadline. What if it takes longer than we think it will? Or what if something else urgent comes in? But the problem is when there's no deadline, we are tempted to procrastinate, which everybody, me included, well, they say 95% of the population struggles from time to time with procrastination. Now we're not chronic procrastinators. There's about, I think it's 20 to 30% is the estimate of, of the population are chronic procrastinators. So the vast majority of lawyers are, are kind of normal procrastinators. And if we don't have a deadline, then that thing, that task, then we'll keep bumping to the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many offices I've been in where I ask, what's that banker's box sitting in your corner? Oh, that's a closing agenda. Oh yeah, when did that deal finish? Oh, that was three years ago, right? There's no deadline. If the deadline was two weeks after that deal closed, they would get it done. Mm-hmm. So we need to prompt deadlines and make sure that we need to tell someone else, not tell ourselves, because we know we're just gaming the system if we tell ourselves and we can't trick ourselves. So we have to tell the other person, Shelly, I'll have this to you by Friday, end of day, Friday, end of day. And then it goes on my to-do list, my master action plan that is due on Friday. Okay. And would that be a master plan that you see like for the whole week? And so you could see on Friday, I have to, you know, I've got these particular deadlines or is it more of a a linear kind of list that you would add to? Yeah. It's a linear list that you add to. And if, you know, if something's due next quarter, if it's a project you want to tackle next year, everything goes on that. It's your master list of everything you want to do, all your goals, your deadlines, your commitments, tasks, big projects to little, everything goes on that list. Okay. So then how do you not feel overwhelmed looking at that list? How do you know what to work on any given day? By deadline. You You rank things by deadline. You list them by deadline. So what's overwhelming if there's, if, if, and I go back to that, that poor overworked associate you, you described sitting with that huge pile of files that they have to get through. And then the partner walks in with a new urgent file. That's where stress comes, where there are six things that I have to do right now. And that situation, we got to back ourselves up a couple of weeks here because that situation didn't just appear right now. That situation has been snowballing over the last two weeks. So managing deadlines, managing all of our work by deadline helps us to pace our work. So if three partners call and want the same, a huge project done by Friday, then now you're in a position where you can say, well, you, you, you've got to renegotiate some deadlines here because you can't do three ma- major projects. You know, this fictitious situation can't do three major projects all in the same amount of time, but you can renegotiate. You can think, okay, where can I streamline here? Where can I scale back? Can I push out? Can I do some, but not all for that file? I, where can I seek help? And when we use deadlines, we get a lot more creative about how we can get through that that volume. Okay, so I call, then, I call that the simplify filter. Where can I streamline, scale, scale back and seek help? And, then, I would, and I would break it down, right? So if it's this massive project, you don't just say, oh, my deadline is two months from now. Cause you know, when do people work on projects that are due two months from now? You know, about one, you know, about seven and a half weeks from now. That's when they start working on it. So what we want to do with those massive projects, it was we break it down. And the next deadline would be Monday where, hey, Shelly, let's get together and I want to just review my draft with you. Right. So now I've got a meeting with you on Monday. I've got to get my draft done. That's okay. a nice deadline. 
So we've got the sort of the subtasks or the, yeah, yeah the, those, the parts that make up the whole. And yes. when do we identify those parts? As soon as the work comes in. Okay. As soon as the work comes in. So that partner calls you, Hey, there's an urgent thing. It's a part of a big, it's the beginning of a big file. I need you to get you know, X, Y, Z done by Friday. Right. So that's step one. You don't have to define all 3000 steps today, but define the next few steps right now. And then when you get some breathing room, do the project plan, legal project management. I'm actually surprised we don't see legal project management embraced more in the legal community. It's project management is, is embraced very much. So in the corporate community, the corporate world, uh, so that, that is something that's surprised me over the years that that hasn't been embraced more, but project management really is just take the big project down, uh, take the big project, break it down into the, the, the smaller steps and determine what resources are needed to achieve those steps. Like who's doing what it's hard to pull in help from someone else when we're scrambling at the last minute, but when we plan ahead, we can say, well, maybe this other person can help me do X, Y, Z. Right. So knowing what those steps are. I'm again thinking about, you know, the new associate who maybe hasn't handled a file or a matter like this before. And yeah. they're not really sure, you know, what's involved in this task. Yeah. So that, so yeah, you could really plot out how two different lawyers um, manage their career. And, you know, the one who says, I don't know what this, how to, how this kind of project or this kind of file will play out. Maybe I'll put my thoughts together on how I think it's going to play out. And then I'm going to go and seek advice from someone a couple of years more senior than me, or I'm going to ask to review a similar file, ask the partner, Hey, what is there a similar file that, that's, that's kind of played out similar to this one and then develop the plan from there. Short-term deadlines are, 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 are absolutely our best friend. And yeah, so that, 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 that associate you described, that poor associate sitting there with a pile of files, you know, those, that associate um, unknowingly, but did allow those piles, those files to pile up. And so ideally, we want to keep our backlog pretty tight and pretty current. We, we want to avoid ourselves getting overcommitted and behind. And the best way to do that is using deadlines and managing it in real time. Now, there are there times when you, when it, you get uh, the volume grows absolutely, and that's where you ha you need to think about how do I streamline, scale back, seek help. You could just throw time more time at the problem. That's what sometimes is required. You sometimes do need to work longer hours, but more often than that, and and that is the solution I used for many years. I would work evenings, weekends. Oh, I was always I, but I, and I it was kind of my only tactic, and and that wasn't a workable solution. So that's when I started studying productivity. And that's where we have to really be thinking about how do we plan proactively and, and not get caught in that situation where we're stretched beyond our means. Now, do I still get stretched? Yes, but it keeps, I keep it in a tighter range. I keep it within a tighter range, a more manageable range by leveraging the skills I've been talking about today. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and you've, you've obviously yourself developed strategies that have helped you manage so many competing priorities. 
um, in different areas, not just work life, but personal life. And I yeah. want to go back to the idea of email because that's something I think everybody mm -hmm. is plagued with. And having written this wonderful book about the email warrior, want to explore that a little bit more when we're talking about, you know, deadlines and uh, streamlining and all of that. How does that apply to email? Okay, so email. So how about? I'd love to just walk you through the 3D approach to managing email. So this is how email warriors manage their email. So the first, so three, it's a 3D approach. The first D is dedicate time to email. So stop looking at email all day long. That is so inefficient on two levels. One, it pulls you away from focusing on writing the memo or analyzing the research or whatever it may be. Every time you are distracted, you lose significant, significant amounts of time. And Lawyers are probably interrupted every two to three minutes, maybe more. Phones, tablets, watches, things are beeping all over the place. Turn all those alerts off. Minimize email and only look at email in batches. So commit to batch processing. So like I said, you decide how often you look at an email, but don't look at it all the time. So maybe look at it every 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, you decide. So that's the first D. Dedicate time to email. The second D is do it now. The first time you touch an email, you deal with it, right? So if someone says, hey, can you help me with this project? We've got a board meeting coming up on the 30th. Um, can you help me prep for that? Then you, you, know, you respond back right away. Yes, I'm on it. Let's have a meeting on the 15th to, to, to review our plan. Well, now your deadline is the 15th. So that, that deadline gets written on your master action plan. You know, the fifth, whatever the month is in the 15th, um, help client XYZ prepare for blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then you don't leave that email sitting in your inbox. You throw it over there into archive or folders or whatever system works for you, but you do not leave those emails in your inbox. Okay. Now that was obviously my next question. Yeah. So yeah. what does, what does the ones, what is the optimal, uh, you know, number of emails to have in our inbox? I, I recommend strive for under 10 total. Wow. Yeah, but so here's the deal. Your email is like a lineup of people waiting to be um, serviced by you. So you're not running a call center as a lawyer. You're not, so you don't need to be open 24 seven. You will go and, you know, go, you'll go off to a meeting or you'll go off and work on, focus on something. And then you come and you open the customer service window and you say, you say to this lineup of people or lineup of emails, how can I help you? And you might scan for urgency and you say, oh, there's a VIP email. You can come right to the front of the line, right? Like that's where you're a top client or you're the partner or whatever. So you deal with that email first and it's been 22 minutes uh, since they sent the email and nobody is questioning, wow, are they still practicing law? No one is questioning that because they're <laughs> doing other stuff. Um, so you deal with emails in, in, in sequence. And then once you clear up that lineup of emails and you, they've all left your inbox, you don't have emails in your inbox. Now for any email, any lawyers who have 93,000 emails sitting in their inbox right now, the best way to become an email warrior is to take, you know, 92,500 of those emails. So all emails older than a month and put them over here in a folder called, I will never look at these ever again. <laughs> and that's going to be just fine. Um, and then you just sort through the, the last month of email and put any action items on your master action plan, but otherwise get all those emails out of your inbox. So clean up all that clutter and then just allow your inbox to be 
what it's designed to be, which is your work that's coming in that you have to either do right away or slot into your system. And you're much more likely to pay attention to it because you're not overwhelmed by the, you know, 92,000 exactly. uh, messages in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It creates it, so many inefficiencies when people treat their inbox like their to-do list. Oh. Mm. I, and like, and then it goes back to, yeah. I mean, if you're in a job that's not as demanding as a lawyer, sure. You can have inefficiencies in your day, but it doesn't work as a lawyer. If your inbox is overloaded, I guarantee that's adding to your day. It's taken away time from your personal life. It's taken away time from exercise, sleep, all that kind of, it's probably sucking your soul. Like it's just not fun. Like lawyers, when we get their inbox clear, and this is not true, just lawyers this is true of everyone we work with. When we help them clear their inbox, which is a pretty quick uh, process, like a couple of hours I'm talking, they talk about like this massive weight lifted off their shoulder. It's like the sun shines a little brighter. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I'm thinking about that now. I'm thinking about, you know, uh Oh, how many do I have in my inbox? Um, and how wonderful it would feel to have those 10 and just, I, at a glance, I can see, you know, what, what I need to know yeah. and what I need to pay, to pay attention to. I want to circle back to something um, that relates to the email, but it's the idea of focus. And you yes. mentioned, you know, really so key. focus. Well, we all love to think that we're great multitaskers. No, 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 we're not. That's a, that's a myth. Okay. So let's explore that a little bit. Well, listen, I think a lot of us came up believing that multitasking is efficient. Multitasking is not efficient. When we focus on one thing at a time, we get that task done faster than if we're trying to toggle back and forth. We make fewer mistakes. We have better attention to detail. So the quality of our work goes up and that's essential for lawyers. Attention to detail is a big deal. And our stress level is much lower when we're focusing versus multitasking. So stop the multitasking. And mm -hmm. the, big, the, the biggest way that I see lawyers multitasking, all, all professionals, is uh, keeping email open all day long. So turn those alerts off. I know that probably feels very uncomfortable for many of your listeners, but do yourself the gift and try it out. Tell yourself you're going to do it for a week and then, you know, keep doing it, but just tell yourself it's only for a week. Turn <laughs> off all those alerts, all the alerts. I love that with any new um, habit. It's just like, let's just try it and see if mm -hmm. it works. You know, we're not making commitment forevermore. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's just one last thing that's sort of, Big, a big question for me is like, how do you deal with those things that you know you have to, but you really don't want to? Mm, yeah. So I recommend a strategy called eat your frog. And your frog is the thing you don't want to do. You have to do what you don't want to do. And what we want to do is align that frog to our highest energy period of the day. And for most people, for three quarters of the population, that is first thing in the morning. So start your day with the thing you don't want to do. Get it done. Don't put it off. Your energy level for most of the population is highest in the morning. There are there you know there's a portion of the population where uh, and you know the night owls, the classic night owls, uh, their energy is higher um, late afternoon, early evening. So that's a good time to do the frog. But I would suggest you 
you know, for the vast majority of people do it first thing in the morning. The way I see a lot of professionals work is they start their day with the email. So they're giving away their highest energy time to miscellaneous tasks instead of starting their day with their priorities. And especially for early birds, people who, who start earlier than the rest of the world, like nobody is expecting it. Like you can very much get away with not responding to emails until nine o'clock easily, even 10 o'clock, you can push it. Like no one's going to say, wow, I guess they're not working. Now, if you wait till 11, 12, 1, 2, 2 PM, that's when people are like, well, I wonder when I'm going to hear from them. Like, I'm not saying go all day without checking email, but you do not need to be responding to emails at 7 AM, 8 AM, 9 AM. Give that time to yourself, your most essential work, deal with your frog first, do your most essential work, and then go into reactive mode of looking at emails. Okay. Love that. I mean, it all sounds wonderful in theory and it's just, you know, starting like, how do I, where do I start? What's the first thing that I should do in order to implement some of these things? Oh, okay. So if I were to pick two things, <laughs> I would pick build my master action plan and focus, stop with the multitasking. I would okay. start there. Okay. Yeah. Spoken like a pro and I take it you follow all of your tips. I follow all of them most of the time. I yeah, like the thing. vast majority of the time, like 90 plus percent of the time. You don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. on these and things. For, yeah, for lawyers, I think that's so important to hear because oftentimes it's an all or nothing kind of thing. No, like, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I no, feel no, like no. I can't do it all. I'm just not going to get started. So getting started and, um, yes. you know, just with these two things, to me, that sounds super doable. Yeah, it, is. it really is. It really yeah. is. And it changes. It changes how you work. It changes how you live. It's well worth the small amount of effort, the small shift these things require. I recognize that you are on a tight schedule and I want to respect that. So just quickly, because you've offered so much information in such a short period of time, I know a lot of listeners are probably wondering, how can I learn more? How can I connect with Anne? Uh, where can I find her wonderful blog? Um, yeah, so can you let our listeners know how they can connect with you? Absolutely. Best way is through our website, clearconceptinc.ca. And we offer uh, some great online training programs people can do on demand, uh, some great uh, coaching, and uh, some really good workshops for that work for groups. So happy to connect with people. Uh, and best way to connect with us is through our website. I'll put a link uh, to the website in the show notes as well. And also just to uh, shout out to your blog, which I've used myself quite a few times. It's super, super helpful and lots of great topics and so well written. So those of you who do check out Clear Concept Inc., please check out the blog. You're a Thank very you. avid blogger too. You're quite prolific these days. Yes. We're, that's because, well, we, we're trying to, we, you, I definitely have a team that helps and, uh, but the key is, you know, we have a routine and we block the time, the focus time to make it happen. We apply all these principles to make it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Anne, so much for being here and sharing your wealth of experience and wonderful tips. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Thanks so much, Shelley. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Excel Legal Podcast. I hope you'll tune in next time when I'll be talking to Justice James O'Reilly of the Federal Court of Canada about writing effective court submissions. Before then, please reach out to me with your questions, topic ideas, and suggested guests for future episodes at www.exellegal.com.